Enola Holmes. Uh, now, Enola Holmes is a telling of the little sister of Sherlock and Mycroft Holmes. It is a mystery. Millie Bobby Brown stars in the titular role, and you have some great people in it. You have uh, Helena Bottom Carter plays the Holmes mother, and uh, then you have uh, Henry Cavill as Sherlock Holmes, which I thought was a really interesting choice. Uh, Millie Bobby Brown is terrific. Uh, she is uh, she's a star, you know. She I you know from she's definitely she's growing up. She's maturing as an actor and. She's a wonderful performer. I think she's definitely a reason to see the movie. Good-looking movie. It's in a it's a period piece. My biggest thing was Henry Cavill as Sherlock Holmes. You know, it's trying to unravel a mystery. So the the mother goes missing, and uh, Enola is raised uh, almost solely by her mother, and she disappears. And then it's the mystery of like finding the mother. And we go on this long adventure with Enola. She eventually meets a boy. Mycroft and Holmes, they're there, but they're kind of, uh, you know, they're, they're on the sidelines kind of thing. But it, it's interesting. I thought it was pretty well done. Some wacky stuff in it, though. What was your impression of it? I went into this really, really wanting to like it. Millie Bobby Brown is a bona fide star at this point, you know. I mean, obviously her work on Stranger Things is spectacular. You know, she's got a very accomplished resume to this point. And she doesn't seem to be falling into the child star trappings that so many before her have. But I just couldn't get into it. I, I wanted to so badly. But the film has way too many young adult novel trappings in it. On a meta level, Arthur Conan Doyle's estate is suing Netflix over the film because they think... Sherlock is too emotional in some scenes and as much as I enjoy him as an actor no one has ever accused Henry Cavill of being too emotional it's just never happened I mean I, I think him cocking his fist in, in Mission Impossible was, is about as emotional as that guy gets he, he, he's the perfect deadpan but he does show more emotion than a typical interpretation of Sherlock Holmes would it's a different kind of emotion too because he's he's sort of sentimental a little bit in it which is not which i think was written about in the later works of conan doyle and that's where that's where the family's suing the later works of, of of conan doyle do give sherlock more of an empathetic personality than he, than he normally had in the, in, in the original run and apparently those stories are still under copyright whereas the rest of sherlock holmes is in the public domain so i i I am about as good a lawyer as Rudy Giuliani is, which is to say not at all. So I really can't touch it. But but just on its surface, like you're you're accusing Henry Cavill of being too emotional. Yep. Okay. Let's just yeah. when I when I saw that casting, I was like, really? Because well, for one thing, you know, he's a, a huge hunk of beefcake. This guy, and he looks so weird in those period suits. It looks so out of place to me. I would have bought it more if this was the Guy Ritchie version of Sherlock Holmes, where it's where combat is more important than deductive reasoning, because that would be something more of Henry Cavill's alley as an actor. And, and again, this is not to, to to discredit him in any way. He, he's he's a fine actor. He makes a good Superman, and I really did enjoy him in Mission Impossible. That like again, th those fight scenes were just amazing. Uh, and the guy knows how to chore to be in those kind of choreographed moments. So to, to have him be more subdued and yet still more emotional as Sherlock Holmes 
probably probably a miscast here, but I, I I'm not going to fault him for trying. Yeah, and I I thought the, I think you know, like I said she's very good. Helena Bonham Carter is very good. For the um, two minutes she's in it, yeah. <laughs> but we also have to like putting this in perspective though. We have to realize that you know we're not the audience for this movie. This is the teenage girl version of Sherlock Holmes. We are not the intended audience. I think the the attendant audience really liked it. I think it did very well with people, you know, in and around that age. And it's like, you know, when you were a teenager and you were reading those YA novels or you were reading mystery stories or maybe you started reading Sherlock Holmes, it, it captures the spirit of that. Technically, the only thing I thought was weird was the the breaking of the fourth wall stuff. Yeah, that 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 got annoying really quickly and i and i i don't i don't use that word lightly like it's one it's one thing to break the fourth wall in something that might be era appropriate like a deadpool or, or even john belushi waking at the camera in in uh animal house it's like it's it's one or two moments meant for comic effect here she's literally turning to a camera that would not exist in victorian england and narrating the entire story not just breaking the fourth wall but breaking the scene as well and it just doesn't work. It 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 it, it pulls you right out of the picture. Uh, it I, I you know I'm, I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of narration as a plot device either. But if the if those are the two options, take the narration. You know, or given that this is a character who's a member of the Holmes family and likes to play word puzzles, well, have her write something down. You know, it, it, narrate to that. It, it it plays more like a Dear Diary moment, which I guess, again, is for the target audience. But for what you're trying to do, it's just out of place. I felt like that was a generational thing, too. Like, they were trying to make a new Holmes, like a new thing for a new generation. And, you know, it's, again, like we were talking about, you know, with Rebecca. Like, uh, why are we going to make another, like, Sherlock Holmesy kind of story? Well, we got we to gotta put a different spin on it. In that case, like, why not just make the whole thing modern like the narration has been used in period movies but in general it's like somebody writing in a diary or it's the works of or like an epistolary or something like that it's not someone stopping and talking to the camera and it's and it's not that we haven't already done this i mean we have the bbc sherlock show we have elementary on cbs in this country like we've had modernized versions of sherlock holmes plenty of times um, and, that, and that's why I kind of like, well, we really don't need a Holmes for the new generation because we've been fine with the Holmes we've had for 150 years. The young adult trappings here are kind of what bothered me more than anything. And I know, and I know I'm not the audience for that. So, so, so it takes us with, with the requisite grains of salt that you need to. But if you're trying to have this movie where you basically say, hey, here's Sherlock Holmes' little sister and she's smarter than Sherlock himself. Well, then Sherlock would not derail his entire investigation because he met a cute boy. It's like, it's like, it's, it's, it's not, hey, let's solve the mystery. Oh, wait, here's someone who looks like they're from one direction. And let me use a pocket knife to cut their hair so they look like someone else from one direction. No, just no. This is, this is more of a failing of the genre than anything else. I mean, I mean this movie kind of reinforces it in the sense that you have Helena Bonham Carter. Uh, you have Henry Cable. You, you you have Sam Claflin, who was uh, Finnick O'Dare in The Hunger Games. It was like, you have a lot of young adult film actors in this film to reinforce that idea. It's one thing to kind of take that angle. It's another thing to basically make it its, its whole 
different ball of wax where you basically deprive the protagonist from having a real adventure. And, and again, like, like I started to say, this is, this is sort of, a, of an issue with the, the genre as a whole. I mean, uh, there, there's plenty of other examples. The one that immediately comes to mind is the Mulan remake that came out this year, um, which I'll admit I haven't seen, but I've seen enough. I've seen a bunch of clips and I've read a lot of reviews of it. When it comes to young adult films, especially those that have a strong female lead, apparently it's like a studio note or something that this strong female lead can have no flaws. She can't have anything wrong with her to learn from and get better. She has to already be pre-built as a certified badass. In the, to, to take the Mulan point, the original Mulan, for all of its pluses and minuses, you have this awkward girl who's making a, quite frankly, a very stupid decision to, to, to save her father's life and basically sacrificing her own in the process because she has no realistic chance of surviving this war. And then she learns how to become a fighter. She learns how to become a warrior. And then she pulls off some heroics. In the remake, she's already doing parkour off the walls at age four. It's like, there's, there's no journey now. She's already, she's already the superhero. Same thing with, with, with Enola. You build up this, this mythos of her being smarter than Sherlock with flashbacks of her doing jujitsu with her mother to the point where, you know, and this, this is, I guess, a spoiler, but really it's not if you, if you, if you know anything about the way these movies are made. Like, oh, she beats Sherlock to solving the mystery, except that she doesn't. She comes to the wrong conclusion, but gets made right by circumstance. Whereas Sherlock actually solves the, the real mystery a day later. So, like, what did we really learn yeah. here? I kind of missed that part, too. Like, I missed it. the ending to me was a little bit muddy as to, you know, exactly. But the, I think to your point, though, about what you're saying is like, yeah, you can't be super awesome at 16. Like, it might have been more interesting to kind of see, like, the Sherlock Begins or, like, the Enola Holmes Begins version of this. Here's a good example, and I guess this, this, this is generational, but here's a good example to compare this to. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Okay, you you have a central character in a teen movie who breaks the fourth wall and talks to the directly to the audience the entire way through, but it makes sense because it's the '80s and there's the technology to exist for that to happen. But everything goes right for him in spite of himself. He is not that skilled of an individual. He just gets lucky over and over and over again. There are so many opportunities along the way for his grand scheme to blow up in his face. And it's down to the contrivances of the script and the characters to make it so that doesn't happen. Whereas with Enola Holmes, it really is just we're waiting for the next moment. Oh, the assassin somehow didn't die again. We don't care how he found her, but fight, fight, fight. He should have died. Somehow he lives and he'll be back at the end. You know, there's nothing, there's no real point where she's got a realistic chance of failing. She's always going to get there. It's just a matter of how and why and how much time do we waste along the way. This is, this is, a, this is kind of a blow to film. It's like two hours and ten minutes for something that would normally be like a half-hour pilot on Nickelodeon. 